Welcome to the True Blue LA podcast, Jacob Birch, Eric Steven, mailbag episode, sort of ish, uh, of sorts, as you put it. Uh, yeah, I think just a, a very um, busy but uneventful week. I like there, there's stuff to talk about, to be sure. Uh, but the Dodgers, as opposed to winning a bunch and losing a bunch and then winning a bunch, have, have kind of uh, middle ground here. Yeah, they're they've kind of righted the ship somewhat. Uh, they're in that like. You know, we always say we forgot how long the season is. Sometimes they're in that sort of point, like they're getting along. They're they're doing they're doing what they're supposed to do right now. I think, uh, and like I don't even have it in the notes because it happened this morning. We're recording on a Thursday. Uh, Phil Bickford got a save today, uh, so because the, the the game the game ended after in the eighth inning after rain. Uh, and so he pitched the bottom of the seventh, and uh, they were ahead. So he. In a weird way, like the the top of the eighth inning when the Dodgers tacked on a run and were still batting, counted. Um, so Phil Beckford technically didn't finish the game. I mean, like he wasn't on the mound to finish the game, but he still got a save because why not? So yeah, that's the kind of weird stuff. Like there's no real bucket to put all this stuff into. So we're just going to, it's kind of, a yeah, that's, a, that's a good way of saying it is like, we've got stuff yeah. to talk about, but not, not one thing was so eventful or, uh, encompassing to really call it anything else. So we're going to just wrap all the little things up. Dodgers rewind questions from Craig, all of that after this. With the lucky land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring a laundry oh a book club computer solitaire huh ah oh, sorry we were looking for chumba casino that's right chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino style games join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes chumbacasino.com no Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered ChumbaCasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. <laughs> 
The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. To start with, I think we'll start with uh, the sort of controversy going around baseball, which has been a thing for a while. And uh, a primary target of it, uh, Trevor Bauer, called it out uh, a few years ago, uh, asking for it to be enforced. And now it's largely assumed to be one of the um, biggest winners of the situation. But uh, baseball, if, <laughs> in in true to form, way late trying to uh, enforce its own rules. Well, it's like uh, when people start getting loud about stuff, they're like, Oh yeah, we na- we have to fix this. This is terrible. Like you know, when they it's been going on forever, and like, uh, but yeah. So I was thinking about this. So this is a catch-all episode because we have so many different things to talk about. So maybe we're just gonna try a bunch of stuff and see what sticks. Huh? Huh? Yep. No. All right. So just an overview to sort of set the scene. Uh, in March, uh, MLB club sent a memo to like every or MLB sent a memo to all the clubs saying it would randomly test baseballs, um, like pulling it out of games, like just at different times. They'd also like research. <laughs> I just thought the way it was worded, I think was funny. It was like, we're also going to look at like baseball savant and see if your spin rate went up. Basically it was the gist of it. And like, um, the problem is like there's chain of command stuff when you do that. Like, but anyway, it, they were just trying to get a baseline to see how, what was going on. And like the, there wasn't really like a threat or I guess it was like an implied threat. They, I think the MLB sort of thought the memo was going to be like enough of a warning to, um, to like curb this. Um, but you know, it, it wasn't, uh, no, no major leaguer has been punished. The, the thing is there's actually rules on the books for this, like, and for years, uh, if a player is caught like doctoring the baseball with anything, including foreign substance, it's ten game suspension. So, uh, four minor leaguers uh, got popped uh, a couple weeks back, uh, and, and <coughs> excuse me, but no one in Major League Baseball has. The only like thing that sort of put this in the forefront uh, was like the last week or so of May. Giovanni Gallegos on the Cardinals, uh, he had like a bunch of white stuff on his cap. So Joe West. Being Joe West, went out and had him change his cap. Mike Schilt went nuts, the Cardinals manager, and got ejected. And then after the game, went on this rant, which was kind of awesome. Uh, he said he basically was calling out MLB. He's like, "Look, you want to start doing this? It's baseball's dirty little secret." Like that's the thing, right? Like it's sort of been for years. No manager is going to call out another team for doing that because they have like you know a bunch of pitchers on their own side doing the same stuff. So it's just a matter of how far do you want this to go? But I think that's how MLB, like, oh, they'll police themselves, that kind of stuff. And then, but it's gotten to the point where it's so out of hand. I, I'm going to skip my like order here just to explain it. Uh, Brittany Giroli uh, in, um, or it's Giroli, I guess, in The Athletic, had a good column sort of outlining why MLB is mostly to blame here because the players are taking the brunt of this now, like Bauer and, and Garrett Cole. I'll get to that in a second, but... So she noted the players don't get a say in the constant tinkering up to the baseball, which MLB has done the last few years, including this year. Um, they, the new baseball this year has like raised seams, 
makes it like more susceptible to spin, especially if you're like doing stuff to it. So um, this is back to her article. Um, the latest, uh, let's see, was the latest version of the baseball was already being buzzed about for its ability to favor pitchers with movement. Add to that uh, last year's long layoff, which many believe triggered even more sticky stuff innovation, and it's little wonder why April was an historically bad offensive month. So the other thing she noted in there that, like, several teams, I I don't know if the Dodgers are in this. I didn't look at their org, excuse me, their org chart, but she noted that several teams actually employ chemists, you know, like, which is, which is, you know, tells you sort of how this has gone. But anyway, so that's sort of where MLB is at. At this point, so now everyone's like uh, looking at like any time like a uh, you know someone's spin rate is down in a start, people will share the screenshot of baseball savant on Twitter, and it just becomes a thing. It was particularly stark on Sunday in Atlanta when Trevor Bauer like spin rate like generally for a fastball like if you're like three thousand, that's like otherworldly almost. Um, most of them are around like. In the range from I don't know two thousand to like twenty seven twenty eight hundred or something like that. I'm not I'm not sure of the exact range, but um, Trevor Bowers was down two hundred twenty three uh, revolutions per minute from normal on Sunday from from this season. So of course everyone asked him about it after the game, and he's like, "Oh, it was it was hot and sticky in Atlanta, <laughs> you know that kind of stuff." But he was also like, sort of went. On his, what he's talked about for years, like he said, I, what he said, I just want to compete on a fair playing field. I'll say it again. That's been the point this entire time that everyone can be on a fair playing field. Um, so if you're going to enforce it, enforce it. And if you're not, then stop sweeping it under the rug, which is what they've done for four years now. So to Bauer's point, another thing he's brought up in, I looked at some of his like uh, old videos. Um, you know, in March, he sort of went over the memo, and his one of his points was uh, like a chain of command thing. Like if they take a baseball out of the game, right? To to or, to look at it now. Chain of evidence, right? Right, exactly. I'm sorry. Uh, so let's say a pitcher throws a ball and gets a strikeout. He gets the ball back, or maybe, but it gets thrown around the infield, uh, and then the ball gets taken out of the game, and that's the ball they test. What? Who's to say um, that the ball didn't get, like, marked, scuffed, something uh, at, while it touched the third baseman, the second baseman, the shortstop, or, like, you know, whatever. Like, so there's, like, this this weird plausible deniability that, like, you know, it's just hard to, like, prove, prove it that way. So you really have to, like, catch someone. But I don't know what's going to happen here. Um, the other thing was... Um, Bauer was asked directly on Sunday if he has, if he uses foreign substances on the baseball, and he said he basically dodged it. He said, I made a lot of public statements. Um, you know, you could look it up. So I did, uh, and I had already done this because, you know, that was sort of what I was writing about. Uh, he called out the Astros, specifically Garrett Cole in 2018, which sort of came up again this week, but in an article in the Players' Tribune in February 2020, uh, Bauer said, for eight years, I've been trying to figure out how to increase the spin on my fastball because I had identified it way back then as such a massive advantage. I knew that if I could learn to increase it through training and technique, it would be huge. But eight years later, I haven't found any other way except using foreign substances. So 
In 2019, uh, <clears throat> Bauer's fastball, his four-seamer, was, uh, had an RPM uh, average of 2410. Then last year, when he won the Cy Young, 2779. So, like, literally right after he said, the only way I found you can increase your spin rate is by using foreign substances. Then, obviously, parlayed that into a Cy Young and a $102 million contract with the Dodgers, and he's the highest paid player in baseball this year and next so, like, you see what, like, where this sort of goes, right? But the other thing is, um, oh, man, I lost my, oh, uh, Eno Saris has written a lot about this in The Athletic. Um, the main, so the old, like, the everybody's using line is, like, true to a point, but I think there's degrees. Like, the, the sort of classic go-to for a long time was, sunscreen and rosin which i guess technically isn't illegal because uh, it has a nice mix a lot of pitchers use that literally just for grip but uh, you know it makes the ball move too but um Eno Saris found uh like this sort of readily available substance that's become popular was spider tack and uh the best part about this is you could buy it off amazon and the picture on amazon shows a guy with spider tech on his hand, just putting his hand on a cinder block and holding it up just by lifting his hand, which is hilarious. Um, and so that stuff increases uh, in a study uh, Saris did. I think it increased fastball RPM by like 500, like which is nuts. And so like that's a thing. Um, the Angels, like former clubhouse manager, got fired last year. And uh, then he sued Major League Baseball, and in the in the lawsuit, named pitchers and like including evidence of like a text message from Garrett Cole saying, "Hey, it's me, Garrett Cole. Do you have the stuff? You know, like or something like that. I don't remember the exact quote. It wasn't quite Paulo Duca saying thanks for the steroids on Dodger Stadium <laughs> stationery, but like that level of that. So that's why Garrett Cole was in it. And then like this week, Josh Donaldson called out Garrett Cole, and he said he's been keeping books on pitchers for years. Garrett Cole was asked the other day if he's used stuff. He had the most awkward answer I've ever seen. Uh, he's like, uh... And then it was like seemingly five or six seconds, and then he finally answered it, and then he didn't answer it. And then he was saying about, you know, there's a lot of stuff that's passed down in this game, and it was like the most non-answer answer ever, but it was hilarious. And then he went out and, like, just beat the crap out of the Twins, and, like, his spin rate was, like, normal, and he was still throwing hard. So, it, you know, that's the thing, like, it does affect stuff, right? But, like, Cole's still good. He's going to be still good, like, even if he's not. But I think MLB's at a point where they have to start, like, doing something. Like, you have to start, like, punishing the the, um, the heavy stuff and, like, get a hold of this. But, I mean, we've seen this MLB with, like, what, steroids, sign stealing. They don't act until they have to, and then they try to sweep it under the rug. So... The, the, they'll let the players sort of sit, stew, and take the blame. Um, so I don't know. But the, the, the thing is, there's rules on the books for this. I think that's what they just sort of need to do to enforce it. And that's sort of where we're at right now. But, like, that's that's kind of where we're at. I, I mean, who knows what's going to happen. The, I guess the, another reason this came up was owners' meetings was last were last week. So they were sort of talking about the next step, and they said that the next sort of thing is how we're going to start enforcing this. And they're, they're planning to, but... We'll see how that goes. Like it, it seems like like Bauer specifically and some other players aren't like aren't confident that MLB will will do it properly or do it to a point where it matters and it's just like more of a, a PR show than anything. So and and also factor that in with 
this is also the final year of a collective bargaining agreement, so like neither side trusts each other. So it's going to be kind of a, a kind of a shit show at this point. Um, so yeah, that that's where we're at with the sticky stuff. But uh, yeah. Well, not news per se, but upcoming is uh, the trade deadline. I think we're right, you know, mid-June, right when we really sort of aggressively start thinking about that, talking about that, as um, and really comes with some teams may become more convinced of their selling nature uh, than others, so it's more likely that you're actually going to be able to acquire someone. Uh, Fabian Castaneda on Twitter asked, uh, most seasons the Dodgers are usually able to buy at the deadline without trading away their top prospects. The farm system isn't as stacked as it has been in recent years. Do you think they have enough second-tier prospects to acquire players for the postseason push? So I was looking at this. I Our notes, I went through and listed like every um, mid-season trade. I'm not going to like recount that here. But uh, since uh, our Andrew Friedman took over um, in the Dodgers front office uh, before the 2015 season, so they've had seven trade deadlines. Now, last year, they didn't trade any prospects. They actually just traded Ross Stripling. It was a very weird, weird year for a lot of reasons. Um, but the other six uh, trade deadlines, um, they traded a total of um, 34 minor leaguers. They traded some major leaguers, too. But, like, for, for these purposes, it, I'm using players who hadn't reached the majors. I'm also counting... Frankie Montas as a minor leaguer, even though he pitched like 15 innings with the White Sox before he became a Dodger and then was traded, only because he still counted as a rookie and a prospect, and he was a highly rated prospect. For, so for this, I'm counting it. So 34 minor leaguers traded in a lot of trades in midseason. Now, this is not the same as offseason trade when the market is different, like the Mookie Betts trade is not in here, uh, other things like that. Um, and But this we're talking about like a trade deadline type deal of uh, June or July or, or into August. There's no more August deals, but um, 14 of those 34 reached the majors, which is like a good amount. Like, I, like I know the, the I always have a problem with people trying to say like, oh, we won the trade or who won the trade. Like, right. I, I don't I always think it works like that because teams are at different points. Uh, but also, like uh, both teams should also be able to get something out of a trade. That's sort of the whole point of it. Um, so to, to think that you're going to trade like busts all the time for for Hall of Famers or something is is faulty. Not that not that people are doing that. I'm just sort of throwing that as a, as a caveat. But yeah, so 14 of the 34 reached the majors. However, of the 34 that were traded, only four were top 100 prospects in Major League Baseball that uh, that year or before the trade. Uh, Usniel Diaz, who was in the Machado trade, uh, Willie Calhoun, who went for you Darvish, Grant Holmes, who was in the Rich Hill Josh Reddick trade. And Frankie Montas, who was in that same trade. Um, now, if you want to count Hector Oliveira, which is fine, that's that makes five. Uh, but he he wasn't in top one hundred list because the Dodgers had just signed him in May, and then gave him sixty two and a half million dollars and like twenty eight million dollars signing bonus, and then traded him two months later, and like it turned out to be very prescient because. Uh, he was like uh, terrible at baseball and also a terrible dude, um, uh, literally a criminal. And uh, so they they dumped him. But that's so that's five. Well, just for sake of you know argument, that's five top hundred prospects. Now, uh, Jarrell Cotton reached the top hundred the next year, like after the trade, but he wasn't top one hundred when he was traded. Um, if you even count players who reach. 
top 100 in later years, like more than a year after the trade. You have O'Neill Cruz, who was in the um, uh, Tony Watson deal. And then, um, oh, mate, uh, I might be mixing that up. But yeah, so then Jordan Alvarez is the other one. Now, obviously, Jordan Alvarez is like the has been the best uh, player they've traded away like in performance since then. But he was also like very young at the time um, and and like two years away from uh, reaching a top 100 list. So like uh, th- that's like a long way. But even counting all that, that's eight players. So uh, eight top 100s. Now, so I, I would argue that the Dodgers have done most of their work by trading these second tier prospects. That was sort of the point I was getting at. And like this year, the top 100s they have are uh, Caber Ruiz and Josiah Gray uh, are, and then Michael Bush, essentially. Michael Bush, I think, missed one top 100 list. And then they have a bunch of guys who, like, uh, I think Miguel Vargas is top 100 on one list. Uh, there's someone I'm missing who was top 100 on another. I forgot. But, like, they don't have a ton. So I think they're they're going to basically make their moves by, by doing these second-tier top guys. Now, if something becomes available and they, like, I think they would consider moving... Uh, Ruiz more than Gray, I think. Um, but like, yeah, like they—that's like their mo. That's that's the moves they've made. Is like trading these, like a, a like a gaggle of of second tier guys, and they have like a lot. Like I think Kyle Glazer at um, Baseball America said, looked at their farm system and said they have like I think it was like thirty four future major leaguers in the minors this uh, coming into the year, which is an absurd amount, and like you know. There's value, like, in those lower people, especially if you package a right. bunch of them. Yeah, so, if like, anything, I, this may be a good, like, things may be lining up, whereas other years, like, oh, gosh, we really need um, someone to replace Corey Seager. We, we, you know, and we want a starting level, all-star right. level, which they got in, in Machado. And the, and when you look at the this team this year, they could really use another uh, bat off the bench, I think. They could mm-hmm. really use kind of the... The, the middle part of the bullpen could use some bulking up, I think. Uh, you could argue maybe another uh, back-end arm, but um, I think it's lo- Trident and Kenley have looked pretty good. Uh, so And Knable may come back and provide that as well. So they shouldn't need those uh, bigger, splashy deals. Like you said, I think they would if they need it, but they shouldn't need it, hopefully. Uh, and um, I think they have this, those second-tier pieces. Maybe you could argue even third-tier pieces to pull those kind of deals off. Yeah, and I think our next the next question sort of gets into that like sort of what you were talking about. Not from uh, this is from Blue John. Not too early for deadline talk. In addition to a reliever or two, what else uh, may we see from Friedman? A more potent bat than uh, Beatty to platoon with Pollock? Maybe a surprise starting pitcher to bump Gonsolin to the pen now that um, and Urias there for the postseason? Yeah, so um, I'm I'm still gonna half jokingly, half realistically. Uh, lobby for David Freeze to come out of retirement because I think he remains like the kind of sort of bopper they need off the bench. I mean, Pujols is doing a nice impression of that occasionally against lefties, but um, they could use more. Like literally, they they only have twelve position players right now. With when Corey Seager's back, um, they're you know obviously in a better spot. But like they had Yoshi Tsugo yeah. active, and he's on the IL. But I think I don't think he lasts past when Seager gets back. Um, so they could use uh, another bench player for sure. 
I think um, I think the biggest um, concern is if anybody else gets hurt. We've saw like the the mm-hmm. depth thereafter in terms of bench rolls is really really rough. Yeah, um, yeah. So like I think any number like and it really almost sort of it depends on. I'm sure a multi position guy would be great um, because just the way they do stuff. But like yeah, anyone who can sort of hit, uh, I think they would they would be amenable to get. But yeah, same thing, like, bullpen too. But honestly, like, I wouldn't... I think they should... I almost think they should acquire a starter. Like, because we... Like, they got Tony Gonsolin back, and look, he, he only pitched an inning and two-thirds in his first start. He walked five. That's what, why he had... He threw 66 pitches to get five outs. It was brutal. That, that said, he's not going to do that. He, he's a good pitcher, right? Like relatively, even if they do have a short leash on him, he's going to last deeper into games, so he's going to be fine. But you're still at a point where they don't have anyone behind him right now because they need Nelson and Price in the bullpen, and also they don't want to stretch those guys. So uh, Josiah Gray still shoulder impingement, not really sure of his timetable. Like he's the six right now, but he's not available. So like you still need, and this isn't like. I'm not saying necessarily they have to go and, like, trade for Max Scherzer, right, who's going to be a free agent, and, and like, bump everyone down in the rotation or whatever. Um, it's, it's like, some sometimes you just need a guy to fill innings. And, like, uh, there's a lot of season left. And, like, it, you know, counting on all five guys to be healthy the whole way is rough, uh, is a rough ask. So, like, getting getting a... A serviceable person who could either uh, start or fill a swingman role or, or make Gonsolin the swingman or just have another guy available to start games, that would be preferable. Um, if someone becomes available that you would start in a playoff game, I don't think they're, like, right now, like, you know, they would just start their four main starters right now in the playoffs. So, um even even with like Urias' success in the bullpen, he's been very good as a starter, and so I think that's where it's at right now. Um, now, obviously, if they did if they did acquire Max Scherzer, maybe you rethink that come October. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Um, uh, it's I think they're open. They're open for business, but like uh, I think a lot of things could happen between now and July thirty first. Like Corey Seager's sort of plan right now. They're mostly healthy on offense, except for Seager, and he's starting. He's almost about to do two-hand swinging, um, and he's pro- they, uh, he's probably before the All Star break now, which uh, would have, would be two months uh, if he's All Star break. So he's going a little bit faster than normal, but like he's still like three ish weeks away. Um, so yeah, and like a lot, you know, a lot can happen between now and then. So who knows? Uh, but yeah, that's sort of where we're at. I, I did, I have to admit, I, I did sort of cherry pick some of these questions we had. I did a locker room app thing earlier today, and I was going to ask answer questions there. Some of them didn't fit here, and plus we were, the, all the stuff we were talking about, I thought we could sort of hit that. Um, so, like, we, I sort of limited it to trade deadline. Another person asked, like, which, um, uh, which, like, relievers might they get? I didn't have time to, like, sift through uh, so hopefully I can get to that on a future episode or when the trade deadline's closer. But just know I did see the question, and thanks for sending it. And uh, if you have any other questions, you could send them to 
tblapodcast at uh, gmail.com or to either Jacob or I on Twitter, Eric Stephen, E-R-I-C-S-T-E-P-H-E-N, or Jacob Birch, G-A-C-O-V-B-U-R-C-H. And G-A-C-O-V. there you go. What did I say? G-A-C-O-V. J-A-C-O-V. Mm. You're not Jacob Birch. <laughs> <laughs> Just pre- pretend I know what I'm talking about. And You I, know what? Send, I do send every week. Ga- send it to Jacob Birch on, on Twitter and <laughs> see, see, what see who say. responds. Yeah. So you have a complete a trivia question. I cannot figure out why you're asking me this, but I bet oh, it has well, maybe maybe gets spoiled later. It does. It's it, it doesn't get spoiled later, but it gets uh, referred I, like very tangentially referred to later. All right. Um, but before I do that, um, there is no Gacka Birch on Twitter, so no, we're, not I, yet. I'm, I'm, I'm going <laughs> to open that and then uh, answer this guy's reply. No. Uh, anyway. Um, so there have been 13 total Dodger seasons of 20 homers and 20 steals by eight different players. Um, how many of the eight can you name? I will see what that number is after this. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No there have been not 13 season, 2020 seasons by eight different players. How many can I name? Mm-hmm. What's your. Uh, give me an over under. Give me some of the hip. I think you'll get four. Oof. All right. Um, for the sake of our I'll, listeners, uh, I once I get yeah. to the point where I'm just re- naming random 60s Dodgers, I'm just going to stop. Uh, so, but I, I have oh, a list. Wait, do you, do you want a hint? Okay, okay. Go ahead. I'm gonna, oh, uh, you, I'll you, start. You give me a hint. Yeah. I may pass on the hint, and we'll go from there. Matt yep. Kemp. Matt Kemp was the last two to do it. 2011, 2009. Um, Raul Mondesi. Raul Mondesi was... Uh, did three years, and he was the first 30-30 player. Uh, Raphael Fercal. Fercal never did it because uh, he never hit 30 home runs. 30? I thought it was 20. Also, it never hit 20. Okay. <laughs> That's what I, I must say. I... <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're right. You're oh, no. Right. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. Duke Snyder? Uh, Duke Snyder did not do it. There was only one. Uh, I'll give you a hint. There's only one Brooklyn player who did it, and oh. it was before that. That's Zach Weed. No, okay. no, no, too, <laughs> not, not too many before. home runs. Yeah. Uh, okay, yeah, uh, didn't think so. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, uh, Davy Lopes. Yeah. Yes. I'm um, cheating a little bit here. <laughs> uh, that's fine, and I'll, I'll get to his season. He um, he was actually the first. 25-25 guy 
1979, career high 28 home runs, and he stole 44. Oh man! So I've got he, he was he was the third Dodger with 2020. Okay, um, Jackie. Nope. That, that that surprises me. But now I'm done. I hit the under. Sorry, I did so well last week. I had to disappoint you this week. That's okay. Um, so I, the other hint I was going to give was uh, the Raul Mondesi thing was. Uh, it's sort of there. The, the next player who did it is linked to him because they were traded for each other. Uh, Sean Green mm, did it twice. Definitely should have um, gotten him. Uh, I, I, the, you the, don't think of him as a Stony Stolen Base case, but I know he did on those first uh, couple of years. He, with, uh, with the Blue Jays, wa- I forget exactly which year it was, but he had 35 35. Uh, and then he was more Homer, Homer friendly. With, I mean, Homer. Reliant centric? with the Dodgers. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Homer centric is better. Uh, dope. I did that wrong. Um, the one before Mondesi uh, directly was Kurt Gibson, 1988, uh, 25 homers and 31 steals. Uh, Pedro Guerrero, back to back, 82 and 83, 30 20 years, uh, 32 22, then 32 23. The, one, the LA Dodger before Davey Lopes was Willie Davis, uh, 1962. 2132, and then the Brooklyn Dodger was Babe Herman, 2121. <laughs> your, your nemesis should have gone there. Yeah, exactly. Now, so looking at this, uh, if you go 30 30, it's only, it's only Mondesi twice and Matt Kemp. Uh, if, if it's 25 25, it's Lopes, Gibson, Mondesi, Kemp. Jackie had so, two years with. More than twenty stolen bases and nineteen home runs. Ah, oh, <laughs> just missed. All right, I, I'm, I'm, I'm. I, I should have, should have known Sean Green. Uh, it should have I, guessed Babe Harmon because you gave me the time era uh, in your hints. But other than that, I'm, I'm okay. I, I have a uh, uh, in our notes. Um, I luckily I have a bunch of tabs open, and I had the original search for this. Open because in, I didn't put the right link in the notes, and when I opened the link, it was two, the 2000 strikeout question from last week, and I was like, "That doesn't." <laughs> none of these players had 20 home runs and 20 steals, so I got very worried for a second there. <laughs> uh, but luckily, it was open in a different window. So, okay, yeah. So the Dodgers rewind uh, that you very unscrupulously cheated on. No, I'm kidding. It, it's fine. Um, I think maybe, I would have guessed him no matter what, but exactly, I can't say that yeah. for sure. So the lead-in uh, is to Davey Lopes, uh, who had the 28-44 year. Um, uh, this is one of the, the better ones. And, I mean, look, luckily we're not – we don't have to do a Dodgers rewind on someone who just died. <laughs> so it's more of a, a celebration while they're still alive. It's great. And we – you like – Try to find obscure guys, but some you know sometimes you got to play the hits, right? Like, and so we're going Davy Lopes this week was obviously a, a uh, much ballyhooed member of the the infield uh, eight and a half years together. He was uh, part of the Dodgers nineteen sixty eight draft hall where they drafted roughly seven hundred and thirty seven players, uh, and um, that was back when they had like multiple drafts. He was drafted in the, the January secondary phase draft, which uh, whatever, like that's a weird thing. It was second round. Um, he was, he played a lot of outfield uh, before that. And then they moved him to second. Cause that's sort of what the Dodgers did back then. Bill Russell was also an outfielder and then they moved him to shortstop. Um, 
1973 was the year the infield came together. Russell started the year at shortstop. Then Ron Say, six games into the year, sort of became the third baseman. Uh, then Lopes, in game 17, uh, sort of took over every day at second base. And then it took until June till Steve Garvey wrestled uh, first base away. So it was like the second game of a doubleheader in 1973 in June, uh, when the, the first game that all four started uh, at the various infield positions, uh, and then they were uh, together for eight and a half years, which is unprecedented for all four to be together. Um, now, Lopes, like, was incredible, right? Like, he was, uh, uh, I would say, prototypical, I think, leadoff man, uh, especially for his era. Um from 1973 to 1980, so his like his first eight full seasons, he played part of the year in 72 as well, but not a full year. So his first eight full major league seasons, he was a bit of an older rookie, but still. He averaged 90 runs, 72 walks, and 49 steals. Now, 90 runs, it might not sound like a lot, but, you know, it's also the 1970s. Like, scoring wasn't kind of nutso like it got at times. His during that time, those eight years, he led the majors in steals. Uh, he averaged seven or no, sorry, he um, he led the majors in steals in seventy five with seventy seven. He led the NL in nineteen seventy six with sixty three steals. During those eight years, he was fifth in the M in MLB in runs scored. The four ahead of him: uh, Pete Rose, Mike Schmidt, Joe Morgan, and Rod Carew. <laughs> That's awesome, awesome company to be in. He was 15th in walks, so like not near, the, not at the top, but like close enough to the top. So he was formidable. Um, the other thing, he was excellent at stealing bases. He was not only prolific; he was like a genius. Uh, later, when he became a coach, uh, like the Phillies and Dodgers specifically, uh, when he was first base coach, like he would teach base running, and uh, those teams were excellent at like knowing when to steal, the times to steal, like the technique and like their percentages were awesome. Like they always seemed to improve when Tony, uh, when uh, Davey Lopes became the coach. So uh, back in his career, he stole 80, uh, 83% rate in his 16 year career. The, the same with the Dodgers. I'll get to that in a second. Uh, he has 418 steals with the Dodgers. That's second in franchise history. Maury Wills had 490. Uh, he was eventually uh, traded to, Oh man. Oh, the A's in, uh, after the 81 season, he was the first of the infield to go. Um, and then he, he played, uh, bounced around a little bit, played for the Cubs and then the Astros. In 1985, he stole, uh, before Davey Lopes, no 40-year-old had ever stolen 30 bases in a season. And then in 1985, he went and stole 47 bases when he turned 40. So, like, um, I just remember this because 1986 tops, they had a, usually the first few cards or, like, there was a, like five to eight cards that were like record breaker of the year before. And I remember that it was like most steals by a 40 year old or something. And I just thought that was crazy. The, that number since Davey Lopes, the only person to steal 30 bases at age 40 uh, is Ricky Henderson, which you can sort of understand. Uh, Ricky stole 37 at age 40 and then 36 the next year he was because he's Ricky. He's awesome. Lopes was a four time all-star 1978 to 81 uh, I would say this is this is a technical term. He didn't take any shit from anyone, uh, like both as a player and um, as a coach uh, and a manager. Um, but uh, he was a team captain with the Dodgers from 1978 until he gave it up midseason because like the Dodgers are going through some crap and like uh, 
Uh, it was just like a bad year all around, even though that was the year like Lopes had his be- like 28 home runs, 44 steals. It was kind of crazy. Um, I was reading uh, Jason Turbo's book, uh, They Bled Blue, uh, a couple months back, and it was about the 1981 Dodgers. And during the strike, uh, Steve Garvey filed a notice of default because he had language in his contract saying that he would continue to get paid no matter what. And so, like, Davey Lopes called him out on it um, from, again, this is from his, uh, Jason Herbo's book, uh, We All Voted to Strike, Now What Does His Vote Even Mean? <laughs> you know, like, and then there was, like, this big kerfuffle over it, like, and they made up, but, like, it was, like, a big thing back in 1981 because tensions were running high. Um, uh, he was fiery as a manager with the Brewers in 2000, uh, from 2000 to 2002, and, like, I think it sort of wore on him a little bit, but... He, he also coached, before the before he was manager, he coached with the Orioles and the Padres. Uh, after he was a manager, he coached with the Nationals, Phillies, and Dodgers. Uh, he went to the Nationals after the Dodgers, too. Um, not sure exactly what he's doing now, but I have another trivia question for you. Um, Dave, directly Davey Lopes related this time. Um, so he uh, 83.1% is what uh, Davey Lopes, uh, that was his stolen base rate with the Dodgers. That's third in franchise history for anyone who tried at least 50 times to steal a base. Who are the two people ahead of him? So I have written down uh, four names. We're going to go, we're going to see, and then I'm tapping out. No hints, no hints. Okay, yep. Uh, Maury Wills. Maury Wills is not one... And I'm looking where, oh, because he ranks, he's 20th. Okay. 74.1%. Yeah, it's one of these still, things, like, still, rate still stat on, stolen base percentage is so rough just because you don't yeah. necessarily want to take the the volume guys. But whatever, I'm, I'm going to push on. Willie Davis. Willie Davis uh, is near the Maury Wills line. He's okay. 18th, 74.3%. Pedro Guerrero. Oh, God. Um, hold on. <laughs> he's actually 34th wow okay uh 67.2 not bad yeah 80 70 wait 86 steals 42 caught steals <sighs> this is demoralizing i'll give All you right. you want to i'm going to give you a hint one hint i better not help um they hmm. Hmm. they they were dodgers within the last four decades <laughs> uh, all right. The last name written down. I'm looking up now because I assume I'm wrong. Was uh, was Mr. Juan Pierre? Mm. Um, I'm giving you your number right now. He was 11. Okay. 77.5. I'll take it. I give up. I'm tapping out. Screw this question. Before I give you the top two, I will tell you that Dave Roberts is fourth. 82.5%. Okay. Um, Kurt Gibson is second. 88.5. Eric Davis. Um, let's see. What was he at? Yeah, 52 steals, six caught stealings in his two seasons with the Dodgers. 89.7%. All right. Here on out, I'm just going to say Davis, and you're just going to give uh-huh. it to me. <laughs> Every single time it's... Willie, Tommy, Will- Eric, yeah. But no, wasn't there another one that popped up a few weeks ago? I want to look I this up. So. I think it was Tommy. Uh, no, it wasn't. Uh, I'm looking this up. Uh, Otis Davis. That's right, Otis Davis. <laughs> Ron Davis was also a pitcher, but okay. yeah, we'll see. 
Uh, all right. Hey, Hilarious. you know what's gonna? You know what? You know what? I need to pick up the mood, pick up my spirits <laughs> to embarrass me in trivia questions. Yeah, uh, that's part of with Jeans and Craig. We love them. The first of five questions from our friend Craig. Our trivia he says there's five, but there's like there's it's first really one's like always like a 11. ninety-seven partner. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm not complaining. It's just it's uh, he's complaining. Uh, let's see. The Dodgers just played their 60th game. So this week we'll focus on sustained hot starts. Name these LA Dodger leaders, uh, um, in the first 60 games. The first 60 game hot starter. Four players have scored 50 or more runs in that span. Can you name them? Okay. So this is the Dodgers are in LA. Um, okay. So <laughs> speaking of old friends, let's say Tommy Davis. Nope. Maury Wills. Yep. Um, Number two with 54 in his 1962 season. Brett Butler. Nope. Liar. Um, (laughs) Matt Kemp. Nope. Gary Sheffield. Nope. Hmm. This is rough. Um... If you rewind to earlier this episode, you'll get one. Oh, Davey Lopes? Yep. <laughs> Number one, yeah. 56 in 1979. I actually meant to guess him. and I No, just, sure. I, I had so much Lopes on the brain. Um, <laughs> let's see. Uh, wow. Let's see. Who? Uh, Sean? No, Sean. That's uh, a Sean Green. Whatever. Uh, nope. So your two missing seasons are 77 and 2019. So Bellinger. Yep. Is 2019 with, um, <laughs> with 50. And Reggie Smith. There you got it. 1977. Mm-hmm. All right. Five players have 45 or more walks at the 60 game mark. Who are these patient players? Um... Wait, Three were teammates. Oh, I, That's your hint. Muncie's one. Yep. Yeah, he's like exactly at forty-five, I think. Um. Um. Three were teammates. Um. Oh God. Let's see. Do 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 do. Um. That's a lot of walks. Holy crap. Um. Three were. Teammates. Um, hmm. I don't like you. Um, <laughs> um, nope, nope. Uh, Jim Wynn. Uh, that's one of the teammates, 1975, oh. 47. Okay. In that case, let's go Steve Garvey. Nope. Baby Lopes. Yep. <laughs> really fun if you had brick twice on the our rewind subject. Also <laughs> seventy five with forty six. Um to clarify one okay. thing, the other teammate um, Yeah, was it a different year? Uh yes. Uh and us um, and excuse me, Jim Wynn's actually on this twice. I apologize. I didn't realize okay. there were uh, there was a repeat. Uh wait, it, do so I th- have it's still five players, but I have six Am I missing two? You Am are missing, missing two. Oh, okay. Um, huh. Okay. Um, 
70, okay, so if it's 74 or 75, Steve Garvey not with the runs, already got Davy Lopes, um, I don't So the season is 77, to clarify one thing. Okay, so, yeah, 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 all right, that makes sense. Yeah. Um, Let's so let's go back to the Reggie Smith train. Nope. Let's instead <laughs> say um, Dusty Baker. Nope. Ron Say. Yep. Hmm. So you're missing uh, one season. It's 1960. Oh. Frank Howard. Mm-mm. No, 1960. Sir. Um. Uh, Jim Gilliam. There you go. Nice. All right. Next part. Six players have averaged more than a strikeout per game as they strike out sixty-one times. Who went down swinging the most in the first sixty-nine games of a season? Th- this is batters, right? It has to be correct. Yeah. Yes, yes, yeah. Okay. Only, like, only. <laughs> yeah. Um. Only one of them was after Kershaw debuted. That's your hint. Or er, hold on. The uh the, 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 the that two two of them uh, ignore that hint I cri- uh, there's a word missing and I can't figure out what it is okay um strikeouts um Max Muncy um no um Bellinger no. Jock Peterson? There leads the pack with 74 in 2015. Good God. Um, <laughs> um, Jose Hernandez? No, that was his. He, he struck out with the Brewers. I forgot. Um, okay. Chris Taylor? Chris Taylor in 2018 with 66. Um, how are there six? Um, good Lord. Um, I think half is the word missing. Half were after Kate Kershaw debuted. Oh, okay. Um, of which you have two. Yep. Uh, Karos? Nope. Um, man, I, <laughs> I don't think Billy Ashley played enough. Um, you may think is. you may want to think again. Billy Ashley. 1995, wow. 68. <laughs> um, that's stunning. Um, then, who would have been? Sean Green? I don't think nope. that much. Yeah. There was also uh, an answer, I think, earlier you should have committed to. Hmm. And I was right. looking um, stuff up. Hold on. Yeah, I... going to give you two more guesses yep um you have jock peterson billy ashley chris taylor you're missing two other names those seasons of, are of, 1990 okay. and 1985 uh you said 85 85 and 90 um mike marshall is 85 with 61 so you're missing uh, number 1990 with 73 Cal Daniels? Juan Samuel. Ah, of course. Yeah. <laughs> Finally, yeah. 
Six batters have grounded into 12 or more double plays Come in their on. first 60 games. One is Albert yeah. Pujols. No. Who were, uh, who were those rally killers? Hint. Four played in the Jacob era. And they um, also, it's evenly split. Three righties, three lefties. Uh, <laughs> uh, I also uh, think Piazza. you could. I I think you could qualify four of these as my era, and I'm counting uh, Piazza as my era. Yes, it was before I paid super close attention, but yeah. I know who Mike Piazza was. So, um, Karras? Uh, no. Um. All right. Uh, Jeff Kent. Nope. Adrian Gonzalez. That's a good guess. I wonder how what's uh, his record. Man, um, play. I am just not like registering who hits into double plays for some reason. Um, ugh. I yeah. You know what? I'm tapping, tapping out. out. James yeah. Loney hit 13. The rest are all 12. Mm. Mike Piazza, Andre Ethier, Dusty mm. Baker, Mike Marshall, and Sean Green. Mm-hmm. Nice. There you are. Next That's question. Right. Next question. Yeah. yeah, it's okay. I did bad too. We can we can just console each other. <laughs> will Fernando Tatis and or Ronald Acuna Jr. get to the thirty thirty level this season? And will Shohei Otani be able to do something like thirty twenty in twenty twenty one? Okay. Um, so I put the, in the notes here. So Tatis currently has seventeen homers and thirteen steals. Uh, he, he's actually one off the homer lead and tied for the stolen base lead, which is ridiculous. Um, Acuna's right there, too, 18-11. I I don't think either one will get 30-30, just because I think they're going to fall short on steals. Tatis might get to 30, but I I don't think so. I think think Tatis will. I'll I'll go down on record. All right. No, no for me. Or yes for Acuna. No, No for Tatis. Uh, yes for Tatis. Oh, so yes, you're doing... Wait, no for Acuna. Correct. Sorry. All right. And then, oh, Otani, he's at 17-9 at the moment. I want to know. I really wanted Shohei Otani to be a Dodger. <laughs> yep. Um, he, plus he So I wrote this too. So he also has 60 strikeouts as a pitcher. He's pitching tomorrow. His ERA plus right now is 162. His OPS plus is 155. <laughs> just, just a ridiculous player. Like so good. Um, 17.9 is like right on that edge. You know. I feel like he won't get there in, stru- uh, in stolen bases, but I'm yeah, wouldn't shock I'm, me. So you're gonna say no? I I'm gonna I'm gonna just be the optimist here and sure. say yes. I appreciate yeah. that. I'm rooting yeah. for him for sure. Oh, this is the germ of how I came up with the earlier 2020 thing because mm. Chris Taylor uh, is sort of the most power speed guy on the Dodgers this year. He has 8-6 uh, on a pace for 21 home runs, home runs and 16 steals. So that's what got me thinking about 2020 years. There's not a lot of specific schoolwork I recall from elementary school, but I do remember a creative writing assignment we had where I wrote from the perspective of the sand underneath a famous statue in Egypt. That's wow. Weird. Yeah. Do you two recall any assignments or projects from elementary or middle school? Uh, a couple come to mind. Sixth grade English, Mr. Gregory. Um, a guy who I believe a couple years later got into trouble because a substitute 
showed porn in his class on like on I think it was an accident. Who knows? But anyway, um, Jeez. yeah. Um, so, uh, yeah. So, oh yeah, the the I forget what the exact assignment was. It would had to do with like medieval times or writing and writing a story. So I wrote about uh, Eddie Murray as a, or I guess this was, this might've been seventh grade English. I forget the years. Um, But Eddie Murray as um, like a knight and, uh, (laughs) or or something. And, And like the whole thing, but my favorite part of the story, I remember putting this joke in, was that I I, re- I referred to Sir Paul of La Habra, uh, referencing the local TV ads <laughs> or the TV salesman. Uh, you the, know, now, did any puns make it into the story? You, you know what? Like it was all like it, it, it was inspired by the old like um, Looney Tunes, where um, I think Bugs Bunny had cirrhosis of liver, you know that kind of thing. <laughs> and so I had a bunch of those type of jokes, but I honestly, other than uh, Sir Paul of La Habra. Uh, I don't remember exactly like what it was, uh, but yeah, there was that. Uh, the The other thing, one of those years, I had a computer class in middle school, and this is like the early days of computers. And this was uh, this had to be seventh grade because I the, I made the computer program, and all it was, you just it just spit out what the Dodgers' first half and second half stats were. And literally, it was just average home runs and RBIs because that was all that mattered. And um, <laughs> That's all that and, matter. and and there's no and the, it was the program was just like make it do something. So that's all it was was like you know you enter like first or second half and then it showed you like every player and like that was the thing. So I I'm not saying I invented Baseball Reference, but um, <laughs> no, just kidding. Yeah, but it was uh, the yeah, suits yeah. coming down. <laughs> yeah, exactly. No, uh, yeah. So. That kind of thing. Yeah, those are the ones that sort of stand out. The uh, only one that comes to mind for me, and if I thought longer, I'm sure I would think of some, but I was absent. I think I was on vacation um, when my fifth grade class, I think, did like this snail assignment where like you picked a snail and you had to like describe it and like observe it over time. I forget exactly. I, I wasn't there, so I, I, I could only base it off the what I was told, but um, so I was given free reign to observe something else and write a report, scientific report on it. So free I reign. observed a friend of mine who was constantly getting in trouble in class, <laughs> um, and observed his movements throughout the classroom based on his disruptive behavior. I think I, got, I think I got an A on it. Yeah, for being a narc. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I forgot what, yeah, exactly. Um, I forgot another thing I did was, uh, this was also, I think, seventh grade. Uh, um, I did a rap about Johnny Tremaine, uh, which just absolutely brought the house down. Um, it was me and my friend Josh. Um, and I I want to say this was the time I had my like bright yellow Lakers starter jacket, which is like one of the most prized possessions I've ever had. Uh, so I was really playing the part and, um, yeah, I, I'm sure a video exists would be, I'd be mortified, but yeah, I just remember it felt awesome at the time. Um, but yeah, good times. Max Muncy has a 12 home run lead over Cody Bellinger. 
for the contest. Who will hit more home runs from now, prior to game 61, until the end of the season? And can Bellinger hit more than 25 home runs this season? Okay, so I put in the notes, in 2018 when Muncie came up, uh, Muncie hit more than Bellinger that year, 35-24. Bellinger won MVP the next year. He had he went 47-35. Uh, and then they both hit 12 last year. So it's kind of even, right? Um so, but between now and the end of the year, hmm, I'm going to, I'm actually taking Muncie. So am I. I think he's just so locked in this year. And anytime you come off a, a lawn injury like Bellinger does, it can just take a little bit to get back in sync. Um, and we've kind of seen that now. He look he certainly looks better than the alternative options, but I think it's still going to take him a little bit of time to get there. And with the, uh, the dead and ball, who knows, uh, how, um, Bellinger will kind of really react to that outside of his would-be home run that we saw. You know, um, right. we've seen that and we've seen the Grand Slam. So, um, but n- neither towering home runs, I would say. So, um, I'm I'm going with Max as well. So no I contest. Think, I do think Bellinger's getting to 25 though. So oh, interesting. Yes. Okay, I yeah. I don't. How about that? All right. Uh, summertime reminds me of Jello desserts my mom and aunt used to make. One was a three-layer dessert, strawberry Jello with fruit, with a sour cream layer in between. Oh, another was cookie crust cream cheese. With that sounds good, cream cheese. That yeah. sounds good. Lemon Jello layer. <laughs> oh, okay. Topped Man. with lime Jello. And now, wait a second. Cookie crust, cream cheese, and lemon jello. Yeah, man. Topped with lime jello. <laughs> what the hell is going on? No, there's a lot of weird, like, um, like jello-y type stuff yeah. that is just awful. Um, and now, my, yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, I'll finish the question. Uh, and now I can't think of the last time I had jello. So, did you have anything like those uh, that you two can recall? And has Jacob's daughter had jello yet? Um, uh, uh, in in vitro, she has in in utero. Oh. Excuse me. Um, uh, via Melissa. Yeah, no. And, uh, <laughs> M- Melissa ate Jello uh, while she was pregnant, but not not since the birth. Um, uh, mm-hmm. uh, so and I haven't had Jello in a tremendously long time. Um, probably it was probably before high school. Maybe wow. I had it sometime in high school. I don't like Jello, man. It's gross. So the last, I'm sure I've had Jello in the last year. I'm certain of it. But like the, not the the powder. Make it myself. Um, I don't need that extra step. <laughs> yeah. No, uh, it's occasionally like um, getting the cups uh, and like sugar free or something because it's a it's a, like a decent like snack every now and then. And like, um, so that's, that's about the extent of it. Um, the one like sort of jello-y dish I can remember, my sister forever always would make pretzel jello. Uh, and it was essentially, uh, like strawberries and like inside strawberry jello. Uh, then like a layer of, I guess, whipped cream and then pretzels, uh, at the bottom. And it's, it's good. It's really, and it's like, it's a nice little dessert to have. And we've had that a lot over the, the last 40 years or whatever. 
but yeah, like it's been a while since I've actually had that, but um, that was a thing that was like just always sort of a thing. Um, I I think the older like Jello-y type desserts were like in the eighties and and maybe early nineties and stuff, but like I think we sort of went away from that at family stuff after a while. Uh, maybe it was like my grandma not being around anymore. I'm trying to think. I, I don't think my mom made a ton of that stuff later. I just can't remember it. But yeah, I, so I'm not sure the last time I had any of those weird stuff. I, I usually stayed away from that stuff anyway, other than pretzel jello, which was really good. I uh, I think this might be the only time I walk away not super hungry after the last question. You're not going to go out and uh, just <laughs> cr- do jello shots? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, well, I am, but that's for well, obviously. Yeah, yeah. Uh, all right. Well, all right, everybody. Um, what? So wait, that means our podcast is over. Uh, the refrigerator door's closing. The the butter's getting hard, and the Jello is jiggling. Yep. We'll see you next week, everybody. All right, peace.